week two, Advent. It's really glad, really glad that you're able to be here with us this morning. Uh, you'll see that the two candles are lit in front of us. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we get to celebrate this season of Advent, the season of waiting, the season of expectation. And today we're going to talk about how it is a season of interruption and how there's this interruption that comes into the story of Mary that completely transforms not only her world, but the world that we live in today. But wherever you find yourself this morning, uh, I hope like this week you got a chance to decorate a tree. Uh, for, me, for me, it was slightly decorated. I'm pretty sure our tree is dying uh, because there is more needles on the floor than there is on the tree. But it's usually a good indicator. Uh, lights are up, I hope. And like I said, if you enjoy eggnog at Starbucks, power to you. That's okay. Uh, we'll forgive you later. And maybe the best part of it is Christmas, is, uh, Christmas music is acceptable in all social forums right now. So wherever you go, you have to listen to Christmas music. So that's on you. But I always want to say this, that wherever you find yourself on your, your journey of faith, uh, Christian, non-Christian, agnostic, atheist, or maybe you're just a skeptic unsure of where you stand or what you believe, I hope that you feel welcome this morning. I hope that this is a safe place, safe space for you to come and be welcome and to get to know some great people. I'm biased, but I love the people that are a part of the community here at City Collective. So if you're looking for some people to do life with, this is a pretty good place to find them. Uh, Part of what we get to do here as a community is we get to have a response of generosity. In this season especially, there's, this is a great moment for us to, to pause and understand that we have been given such a great gift. And so one of the priorities for us as a community is generosity. So what we're doing as a community is we're focusing on three different areas in this cre Christmas season of where we can uh, give a little bit extra of time and of resources. Uh, one of them is Gateway House, the Salvation Army. We're a part of their kettle campaign and we're able to also provide a donation to them. Uh, we're able to also show some love here to HD Stafford Middle School who has been so, so good to us and we love them and we're so grateful that we get opportunities to love on them and help in some little ways. And then there's some families that we're getting to support. So uh, this morning, if, if I, any of those specific areas caught your, caught your ear, or perhaps seemed important or a moment that you could provide. Hey, this is a great moment to show a little bit of generosity. So we're going to give a moment at the end of the service. Uh, you're going to have Mark come up and give you that opportunity. But I wanted to talk about what a priority that is for us as a community because we've been given such a great gift. And Advent is this waiting for this gift. And so uh, we're going to jump right into the text. We're in Luke 1. Last week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and the uh, unexpected expectation that they had in that moment and the way God kind of met them in it. So we're in Luke chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, verses starting in verse 26. And it says this. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? 
And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Isn't it interesting that whenever God wants to encourage us in our lives, he often encourages someone right next to us? Perhaps your story of encouragement could be the greatest thing that someone hears this Christmas season. That your story is a powerful thing that God uses to also move in someone else's life. I love that Elizabeth is the first person that we learn about. And Mary is the kind of the individual, this character that we all know, we all talk about. Everyone knows Mary, mother of God. But it's interesting that the person that is encouraging her in this moment is her cousin who is barren. Anyways, continuing. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning, for this moment, for this place, and for these people. Thank you that you meet us in our waiting. Thank you that our expectation, though it may be all over the place, is still amazing when you are a part of it. I pray that this morning that we're interrupted. Wherever our heads might be, wherever our focus might be, wherever our thoughts or our priorities might be, I pray that it is interrupted by something that only you can provide. That your love is made so evident in this story, in this place, in the words that we, we share this morning. Be with us. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have you, uh, have you ever found yourself in this mindset, uh, this space of wishing for things to be better? I think, I think we've all kind of been in that space before, that we've, we're, we're looking for things to get better in our lives. Uh, sometimes they're big things, sometimes they're little things, but they all have an impact on our emotional state. Walk with me. February 13th, 2000, Oakland, California. Vince Carter walks into the gymnasium, dunk competition, and it was a vital moment in my childhood because he gets to the, he gets to the floor and has, has, and everyone has probably seen this dunk, whether or not you are a basketball fan or not, it's this iconic moment in the 2000s where he, he has three dunks, four dunks, and then the third one, it kind of blows everything out of proportion. First one, 360 windmill dunk, the crowd goes wild. Second one, behind the backboard, does a windmill, slams it home, crowd goes nuts. So like, what more can he do? And then the third one comes, he brings his cousin, Tracy McGrady, comes to the center of the key, bounces the ball, Vince Carter runs between the legs, slams it home, and the place goes nuts. He's, he does the classic, it's over, it's over. Everyone goes crazy. And at home, I'm losing my mind. I'm like 11 years old and I'm like, it's over, it's over. I'm calling my friends on my landline. I'm saying, it's over, it's over. It's, going, it's, like, it's so exciting, this, this big moment in, in my child because suddenly I realize anything is possible. I was like, oh man, if he can do that, oh man, I can do that. And then, and then right after the dunk competition, they show a commercial where they have Gary Payton come out, put a chair, center of the key. He sits down, puts on a giant afro, and Vince Carter jumps over him. But he doesn't just jump over him. He jumps over him with a pair of Nike shocks on. 
and I was like, I need a pair of Nike shocks. I know that I've got, I've been pretty blessed. I've got some like and one Tai Chi shoes. They're solid. They're looking good. They're looking fresh. But I need some Nike shocks. This is Nike shocks one. This is the OGs, the original. This is the Vince Carter series. This is a big deal. And so I had a plan in place. I had an expectation. Okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to dunk. And there's like this like training regime that I started to adopt with my little group of junior high friends. And we've got this like, it's called Air Alert. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. And it's like, everything is about building from here to here. It's all that matters. It's just the calves. <laughs> it's all about being explosive. And that's it. And so I get my Nike shocks. I start training with Air Alert. A year goes by. I'm not dunking. I had every plan in place in that moment, and yet the physical attributes that you see today were even less when I was 12 years old. So uh, needless to say, dunking was not on, on the agenda at that period of time, and it isn't today either, if you were wondering. Um, but I had a plan in place of how I was going to be able to execute this dream, this, this hope in my, in my life of what I was gonna do, and sometimes we've got these like, plans that we think are so well-constructed these ideas about life that we think we're going to be able to get from point A to point B, and I've got a plan to perfectly execute it to get to where I wanted to go. And an advent is, in, in the simplest sense, is the time where we are waiting for things to get better. And if you're like me, there's always something in my life that I hope is getting better. Whether it's habits, whether it's physical attributes, whether it's bank account, job security, friend groups, family life. Maybe you've been in or you are in a time of waiting and longing for something new, something different, something better. But we all have an idea of what better looks like, right? A plan or sequence of steps to get us there. And we're all looking for that secret sauce to happiness to meaning, to success. And there are normal cultural things which society prescribes as the means to those ends. Yet whenever we look at the Bible, God seems to interpret the normal prescriptions of society and provide an alternative for not just something better, but for something that is completely new. And it is the situation that we find our friend Mary young teenage girl, likely 14 to 15 years old. The story tells us that she's betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph. And betrothed is not like an engagement as we understand it. This is, this is far more serious. This is far more binding. For her to break off the betrothal would have actually required a divorce. It was a solemn undertaking to marry, and she's not of high standing. She's, she's from a little backwater town in an oppressed nation. And this is important to note that because the Jewish people really are waiting, it's not just Mary who's walking through life, who's waiting for this next moment, this next stage. It's the Jewish people, it's the people of Israel who are waiting for this Messiah to come because they were this real superpower in the world at one point, the nation of Israel. And then they broke up into two kingdoms and then over a period of time, they went through a sequence of just being conquered and conquered and conquered until we find ourselves at the time of Mary where Rome is the ruling political power and there's nobody alive who really remembers the glory days of the Jewish people. 
They talk about it in hushed tones. They, they tell stories of what it was and what it would be, and, and they're expecting this Messiah to come to topple this political power and to put them in this rightful place. And so knowing all of these things, it's fascinating that God approaches a little teenage girl to accomplish his good work. And so God approaches this girl, and as we noted twice, it's, she's a virgin. She's not expecting anything. She's likely putting plans in place for this marriage that's about to take place. But this is how we've gotten to know Mary over a period of time. And I think in a lot of ways, we've, we've limited our understanding of who Mary is. And we've kind of reduced Mary to this wallflower that is this begrudging vessel of God to carry the baby Jesus. That we, we don't really see her as someone that had a lot of authority in this situation. But to be honest, in our day and age, this idea of a wallflower, a passive vessel, suddenly being forced by God to do something, is a problematic text. Is God just unilaterally declaring pregnancy to Mary? And now she has to just carry the Son of God? Where is the love in that? Where is the option in that? Where, where, where's, where's God in that? Well, we know a couple things based on like original text. We know that when the angel says that you will bear a child, that it's not like there, there's a video of, of kids lip syncing, the uh, kids telling the Christmas story. And they have parents acting it out, like lip-syncing the kids telling the story. And there's like a moment where they're walking through the Christmas narrative, and the angel Gabriel shows up, and the kid tells the story. Like, the angel Gabriel came, and then bang, she was pregnant. Bam! <laughs> it's not how it happened. The only miraculous thing that took place in that moment was the fact that an angel was speaking to Mary. And we know, we know this that she hasn't been expecting this moment either because her response is confusion. Like if you're expecting something and then it happens, you're going to have a level of excitement with it. You're, you're not really going to question it. She hasn't been waiting for 14, 15 years in this little, little room waiting for this angel to come and tell her about this amazing gift that was going to be given to her and then suddenly like the angel walks into the room and it's time and she's like, I'm ready. No, it's not how it went down didn't just bang. She hadn't woken up that morning expecting to meet an angel. And you know what? It's easy for us to look in hindsight and see the story of Mary and be like, of course she should say yes. Of course she should be excited about this moment. This is Jesus. This is, this, this is the Son of God who's going to come into the world to save all of mankind. This was, this was the one who was going to heal the blind, to heal the lame, he was going to do it all. But she doesn't have hindsight in this moment. She doesn't have this play-by-play -play contract that outlines what her life is going to look like when she says yes to this moment of a miracle. She doesn't have all that laid out for her to, to consider and understand that there's a great severance package at the end of the, the arrangement with the angel. There's nothing of the sort. But yet, we get to this moment where she has to, she has to make a decision. decision. 
Because the angel Gabriel says this. He says, he simply greets her by saying, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And, and the, the version we read, the ESV, is kind of tame in her response. It says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. But I like how the message puts it when it says, she was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. And I can imagine how the angel would have seen how shaken she was and immediately responds with a do not be afraid and begins to outline the amazing work that her son was going to do on the earth. That she was going to give birth to the son named Jesus. And then she, it's, it's funny, that back-to-back stories that we've talked about. Last week we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth. And this we're talking about Mary. That in both situations, the angel shows up and then the human gives the angel like a biology lesson. Biology lesson. Says, I'm, I'm a virgin. This is not going to work. And it's in this moment where it becomes evident that this is not her intention. This is not the plan that she had in place. She was on her way to moving her life forward. She was betrothed to be married. And so she was doing things to make it better already. And when I was reading this, I was kind of confronted with the question that we, I think we all have to face at some point is do we need God? Life was going to be pretty good for her based upon the normal cultural prescription of what success was, of what a good life looked like. She was taking steps to make that happen. She was betrothed to be a husband. Likely she's preparing for her wedding. She she had checked the boxes. She's ready for a good life. But this isn't what God wants for her. God does not simply want us to have a good life. And he doesn't... In reality, simply just want to make it better. Jesus doesn't want to be a, a side of fries to, the, to your burger meal. Jesus wants to be at the very center of all that we do. And so the invitation that is being given to Mary in this moment is not simply that I'm going to make your life better, but it's I'm going to change everything. And we're normally on our way somewhere else when God turns up and says, I have a plan for your life. Isn't that usually the way it works? That we've got plans to go somewhere, to do something, to accomplish something, to find success, to have friends, to have our life perfectly set out before us, and then God interrupts it. And he interrupts us on our journey. Three and a bit years ago, I had my journey interrupted. I was mourning the death of my grandfather, about to begin the first big push for a new business when I was interrupted in a rubber tree forest in India. It's funny, I got notes from that day, from the morning of when I first felt God interrupt my story, where it's outlining what the next product was going to look like, and then notes later in the day where it's like, what just happened? 
Because an interruption means that something unexpected has taken place. But God isn't waiting for us to just sit around and, and expect that he's going to interrupt us and so we do nothing. Often we're on the trajectory of life, we're moving forward, and then he steps in and he says, I don't want to just make something better for you, I want to give you something that's new. I was ready to push in my life for all of the normal cultural success points. To have financial stability, to make a family, to use my education that I have too much of that I'm not using anymore. <laughs> you have to understand, I was, I was never looking to, to be standing up here three years later to start a church, to move to Langley, B.C., I did not even know that Langley was a place. <laughs> when you're from Calgary, everything is Vancouver. <laughs> and I was looking to do all these different things, but God said, Jason, there's an opportunity to see people discover Jesus. For your search for significance, which, was, which is what I was doing, I was going thing to thing, idea to idea, environment to environment, searching for significance in these different places. And God said that I have come so that you might have life and life abundantly. So your search for significance isn't about making you significant anymore, but it's about making me significant. And it changed everything. And it was an invitation not, into, not just into something better, but let me be very honest, something completely new. But he was going to have to interrupt my plans with his purpose. Because that's how it works. That the degree to which we're willing to do that is the degree to which he's willing to use us on the earth. Because this favor that the angel talks about, says the favor of God is upon you, says that to Mary. And this isn't favor as we understand it. Mary's status of favor does not imply like an intrinsic worthiness. It merely means that she's been a recipient of God's grace. Because in Mary's case, it meant that she would have a scandalous pregnancy, a 75-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, probably by foot and donkey, while very pregnant, and meant seeing her son rejected by their Nazareth neighbors and then watching him suffer a shameful and violent execution at the hands of the occupying oppressors and religious authority. That does not sound like favor as I know it. But yet favor was upon her. And here's this beautiful truth that we're given is that that same favor is on your life. That it is this unquenchable, unconditional, undeserved grace that is upon your life that is inviting you into a new story. So Mary's given this invitation. And the question she is faced with, is she willing to be interrupted and willing to be inconvenienced? And, and that scene with Mary is painted in so many different ways because we've all grown up in like the story of, of angels and how we think of angels. Wings on high, like a heavenly glow, a halo. And there's paintings that kind of resonate with that where you see this angel hovering above Mary as she's as she's meek and afraid in a corner as he, he bestows this, this amazing proclamation of Jesus to come. But, th but there's, there's a, another perspective 
that's kind of brought before because he says, do not be afraid. And when he says, do not be afraid, it's not, it doesn't follow it by saying he lowered himself to the ground, dimmed his angelic light, tucked away his wings to make her more comfortable. It doesn't say that. It says that he gives her an explanation. And, and there's this beautiful painting that comes from, early, from the early church of Mary standing and the angel Gabriel actually kneeling before her with, as if he's giving her a gift. There's this great quote from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and he writes this. He says that when Gabriel announced to Mary that she had been chosen to be the mother of God, it was though the angels in heaven held their breath waiting for her reply. And they wait. And they wait. And she says, yes. She says, interrupt me. Inconvenience me. May your word to me be fulfilled. And don't mistake this for anything less than what it is. This is Mary giving permission to the God of the universe. That God lays out this amazing plan in scripture. He sends an angel to come and talk to her. But yet, she still gets the opportunity to say yes. I think that the heroic nature of Mary in this story is so lost that we think of characters in the Bible and we think about like Joshua. He he walks around those walls. I need to keep walking. We think about Moses and he strikes that water and we're like, I got to strike the thing that's holding me back. We think about all these different characters. Think of David walking to David and Goliath. I got to face my giants. And we get inspired and we get built up and we get excited about it. But what about Mary? Because perhaps Mary is the most courageous of those individuals. She's aware of the predicament she's going to put herself in. Of the rejection she was going to experience of how unqualified she was to be a mother even at that moment. And yet she says yes. And the power of that yes transformed her life. And it was a yes to take in this unrequited grace, this un- an amazing sense of love that was freely given to her. To look at Mary is to see God's plan, God's plan for humanity. Mary shows us how to receive the marvelous gift of God's love and how to respond to God's redemptive action in our lives. That perhaps the most courageous thing that we can do is just say yes to that interruption of God. To trust him. Because that's all she did and her life was forever changed. She was used for the transformation of the world and her own world was transformed as well. She was not this wallflower that was passive in this story but she was a woman of God who carried boldness and courage enough so to say yes and see God transform her life. And everyone's interruption looks a little bit different. Sometimes it's people. 
We need to pay attention to the different people that come across our story because often that's the way that God is orienting our lives. People can be the greatest interruption to point us in the direction of God. Often it could be an environment that we're placed in. What are the opportunities that we have to discover and share Jesus anew every day? To see the marginalized and the hurting, to be inconvenienced by something or someone that makes you uncomfortable, to learn and grow in ways you didn't expect, a conversation, a prayer, a meal, a smile. God chooses to interrupt your stories in ways that will capture our hearts. And he always interrupts it with this foundation of you are unconditionally loved. I love that Mary responds at the end, but the angel says that favor is upon you at the beginning. That grace was not wait, that he did not wait to give her grace until she said yes. Grace was already given. Forgiveness was and is already given. Often we get it mixed up. And we say to ourselves that I need to repent to receive, for, to, to, to get forgiveness from God. And then, then I'll be good with God and it, we get the order out of whack. But then we miss the character of God in this situation. That is not repentance, forgiveness, salvation, but forgiveness came first. Grace came first, and it's this invitation into something new for you, our stories. That in this season of Advent, in this moment of interruption, grace was given, and she just said yes. Yes to see God do something new in her life. Sure, she didn't know where it was going to take her. She didn't know that the heartache that she was going to suffer all she knew is that grace was with her. And it was never going to leave her. What an incredible gift she was given and a moment that she just responded to with a yes. I think this story is, is so beautiful. And it's so simple that our relationship that we're invited into is, is not a complicated one. It's not, and it's not one that, that demands you to do everything right or to have everything right or to get your life perfectly or in order or to be of high standing or being from the right area. This is a little girl that was not ready to be a mother, that was from a little town in an oppressed nation that didn't have her life in order to make this societal, make this culturally correct. But yet, grace came to her. And all she had to do was say yes. And that is the gift that we are given in this Christmas season. That God, wherever you might find yourself this morning, interrupts our story with this invitation of grace. 
of a purpose and of a new story, that we, a better one that we could ever imagine. And it's there. It's on the table. And I almost picture like Jesus standing on the other side, smiling, saying it's, it's, it's ready for you to take it, to receive it. You don't have to fight for it anymore. You don't have to work so hard to receive my favor. I've put it on the table before you. Would you just take it? I've put my grace before you. Would you just take it? I've given my love unconditionally to you. Would you just take it? Because when love is received, love is relayed into our world. When true, real love that is unconditionally given is received by you and I, we cannot keep silent about it. We cannot keep still about it. That is not just for us. It's for our neighbors and our friends and our families and our city. What would happen if we were a church that, were just, that was so consumed and in awe and in wonder at the unconditional love and grace of Jesus? And we just said yes to this free gift. That he's not waiting for you to have everything right for before he gives it to you, but it is there for you all along. So I want to pray with you this morning. Pray for these moments of interruption in our stories. And for those of you this morning that perhaps you feel like you've fallen away from any kind of faith or relationship with Jesus. Or you were asking that question anew this morning about who is this Jesus and I want to know more about this, this gift that he gives. One of love, one of grace. I've never experienced that in my life. I want to pray for you as well. Perhaps this morning is your interruption. That you came in with thoughts and hurts and baggage that you just thought is going to separate you and you just thought you are going to come to church and do your thing and sing some songs and eat, drink your coffee and it would be a good moment. But you feel right here, right now in this moment, this sense of interruption in your spirit. That you can't question it. You're not sure why it's there or what it is, but this interruption is in the here and now. And that is God reaching out to you saying, I love you. I came to this world for you so that you could have relationship with me. He so desperately pursues after us that in a school in Langley, B.C., three and a half years ago when he said to, for me to go, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about the experience of love that you're going to have in this very moment, how it's going to transform everything, how it's going to change everything. So would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, thank you that you came for us. And Father, we're so grateful that you come to us as the God of interruption in our plans of just making life better. That you do not want us just to have a better life, but you want us to have a new life. Thank you that it is a free gift that you give to us. And you're just waiting for us to say yes.
interrupt me, inconvenience me. I pray for every person that's here this morning that came in with this this weight upon them, a struggle in their mind, a hurt in their body, a relationship that that is broken and they feel it even more so in this Christmas season. We wait upon you, God. And we're grateful that you interrupt our moments of hurt with these moments of healing, with these moments of hope. So would you lift us up today? Would you interrupt our stories with something new? A new sense of who you are. Of your love for us. And for those of us here this morning that maybe haven't, haven't made a decision in a, a previous moment to come to you and, and invite you into our stories, I just pray right now that hearts that are considering, hearts that are questioning, that they are just met by you. For every person here that's asking the question, what if? What if I let Jesus into my story? What if I let Jesus into my life? What if I said yes? I pray that there is such a sense of peace upon them in this moment, an assurance of your presence, of your love for them, of your grace for them. Thank you that you meet us in these moments, that you meet us in in wherever we find ourselves. Perhaps it's discovering it anew this morning or for the first time, but Jesus, thank you that your grace is enough. That all those years ago that when you came to earth and you died on a cross, And you rose again. It was so that we could be reconciled to the Father. So I pray for every person that's in that moment in the here and now. We're so grateful for you. So grateful that this is a journey that we get to go on. Let this week be a week of interruption. Interrupt us in our busyness and in our anxiety in our uncertainty of the Christmas season, in our, in our busyness with work, in our busyness with friends, in, in all that we seem to be doing to fill the season, I pray for an interruption that gives us a real glimpse of why we are having the celebration of Christmas. That we see you and we discover you in you. In your name we pray. Amen.